You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Hey Kensington, Sam Anderson. We're going to connect with some people here on the street. We're at Campus Martius in Detroit. We're going to talk about success. How does our culture define success? How do you define success? Are you, in fact, successful? So let's go. Let's talk to some people. How would you say our culture defines success? Uh, by the media. By the media? media? You know, social media. Yeah. Um, having, a, having a culture, a positive culture, having a positive mindset, having people around you, um, really just have it. Well, I gotta, we got to cut. Huh? We got to cut. Why we got to cut? <laughs> You're right on it, man. Oh, no, yeah. no. There needs to be something fulfilled. So there's a goal, and then that gets completed. Um, money, I guess, maybe. Money? Yeah. It's, no, but I really do think that, that having a lot of people with different backgrounds and different uh, perspective on life and just yeah. all different backgrounds really come together uh, to do one thing is what it's all about. You know, fast living, uh, <laughs> sports yeah, cars. Yeah, fast living, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the living a life like a rock star. Accomplishments and materialistic things, if, okay. we're, if we're being honest. Yeah. I would say status. Status? Yes. Okay, what do you mean by status? Um, how far you get, maybe it'd be degrees or within a workplace, yeah. like titles. Okay, how would you define success? Uh, not having to think about money. Uh, okay, like you have so much of it. No, no, no. Just like, you know, like I don't have to worry about like either like rent or mortgage or any of that kind of stuff. And just like, I don't know, just like less stress, less worry. I'm working hard. Okay. Okay. Grinding. So I define success. Oh, this is a number of things. It could be financially. Um, obviously, money is always a good thing to have. Yeah. Um, but just setting goals through life and, and hitting those goals. For me, it's impact. Okay. And the things that I'm doing, how they impact the community that I live in. Yeah. And how, you know, the people around me perceive me. Family. Okay. Family. Like family. Yeah, uh, family support. Being right. supported by the family. Yeah. Uh, actually having a, uh, a firm foundation. Yeah. You know, being able to actually stand it on your own. Yeah. You know, not relying on individuals. You know, life of happiness. So whatever that might look like, whether it be experiences, um, sometimes it's financial, but getting to a place where it's like, I want to comfortably do the things, see the yeah. things. Um, giving back. I would say is a, a part of it too. Would you consider yourself successful? Yeah, I suppose. Okay, why? I get to do basically, I'm, I'm comfortable with what I'm doing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. right on. I love it. Yeah. Would you guys consider yourself successful? Yes. 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 Okay. Getting there. Getting there. On yep. the way. Yep. On yep. the journey. Yep. Perfect. Thanks, dude. Cool. That's it. Appreciate right. you. Yep. very own Sam Anderson on the street uh, interviewing a little bit about success. And uh, isn't it interesting all the different responses for it? But for the most part, when you're asked, are you successful? Uh, people are pretty much, nobody's going to go, no, not at all. <laughs> they're probably going to say, yeah, they're, they're going to begin to dig deep and think about the success they've had. And it's interesting, we measure our life often in this kind of framework, this lens. Uh, if we're successful, this series is called The Measure of Success. How do we determine what is success? Because it seems to be that we are enveloped in it, encompassed in it all the time. Uh, that we are consistently measuring ourselves either through comparative uh, ways against others. We are measuring against ourselves, and we're trying to figure out what is the measure of success and am I, the question, uh, successful? 
in this world, in my life, in my personal endeavors, my dreams and my hopes, the things that come on. And, and we do this at multiple levels. We are trying to be successful at almost everything. We're trying to win at things. We're trying to achieve at things, trying to accomplish in moments. Uh, and I don't know about you, but we, we, we do this in the biggest of ways, and we do this in the smallest of ways. And uh, being married for almost 20 years, coming up in November, my wife and I, when we're in the car together, uh, sometimes we don't say this, but we have this moment where where she's, she's better at directions than I am, let's be honest. <laughs> and, uh, and so there's moments where she's like, you need to go this way, you've got to go this way. And we're, we're, you know, we're in, the, in the car together. And it's been years ago when this happened, but we were in the car, and it was a day like today where it was raining, and it was on a Sunday, and it was after church, and we found ourselves stopping needing to get gas. Or, or we have five kids. I had to think about how many kids we had. <laughs> we have five children now. Um, and so I'm like, how many kids do we got, right? And so we've got five kids. And so, uh, you know, we, but we only had a couple at the time in their back. And like kids, sometimes they're fussy. They're crying. It was after church. We're pulling the speedway and Dixie Highway in Waterford. We're getting ready to pull it and it's raining big time. I'm so glad the rain slowed down that you can get in here today or many of the other campuses, right? But uh, so we're there and we're trying to make a left I was trying to make a left out on Dixie, and it's five-lane highway, and it was super difficult to do it, and the rain just pouring down. The wiper's like, whoop, 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 you know, going back and forth, and she's like, you need to probably go right. It'd be quicker, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go left. I think it'd be better, and she goes, well, I, I wouldn't do that if I were you, you know. I'm like, oh, boy, shots fired, you know. In that moment, I'm like, I, I'm going, you know, I'm going to go left. She goes, I'd go right, and I'm like, just so you know, I'm fully committed no matter what. I mean, no matter what today, I'm, I'm going left, <laughs> <laughs> and there it begins, right? This tension, this moment of I'm going to win. I'm going to succeed at doing what I think I need to do in this moment. You know, this battle I've chosen to fight for some crazy reason. I'm going, now there's somebody behind us wanting to get out and go right. And I've kind of, you've ever done that move where you meant to go in the left spot and there wasn't like a line of the right and I've kind of entered into both. So I'm at, I'm at fault there, but I'm annoyed and I'm going left and they're kind of beeping a little bit. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and they're this and that. And it's like back and forth. And Maria's like, go right. And I'm like, I'm going left. And the kids are crying and somebody's honking. And if ever at the moment we're just ready to lose it a little bit, maybe just me, right? And I, and I, I open the door and I turned around. I know I shouldn't do this. And I opened the door. I wasn't going to do anything, but I opened the door. I want them to tell them, stop. My kids are crying. My wife's mad at me. And I just want to make a left-hand turn, you know? Is what I felt like. I just was trying to share. If you ever just want to share, you're not mad at anybody, but you're just telling them so they understand your frustration, your feeling in that moment, okay? And so that's what I was doing. And I turned around and I realized it was somebody from church we knew. And so I just kind of like waved high, jumped in the car, and I went right. <laughs> and she won. She succeeded in that moment because she is better at directions than I am. And there are moments in life that we try to succeed and win at things that don't really matter. That was one of them, but there are things that matter greatly. And we are fighting battles and we are moving in directions at things that maybe we're not even called to do, called to fight, that really may not even matter a ton. There is a man back at the end of World War II named Hiro Onada. They've done a movie on him recently. And he was on this small island of Luhang. It was in the Philippines and Japan was trying to keep that spot there and the Americans were there and there was a lot of conflict going on and they were some of the last of the few survivors to stay there but he had thought he didn't realize because they came out of full you know got fully disconnected hid way deep in the jungles there 
of this area. Their, their secret mission was to take out an airfield. They were not able to do this, but they were there and they waited and they were trying to live out this mission. They were trying to fulfill this mission and they assuming the war was still going on, having no idea the war was just pretty much concluded within months of that mission that they departed there in that moment. And he spent 30 years of his life, from 1944 to 1974, 30 years trying to live out this mission this vision of actually trying to accomplish this thing, assuming the whole time the battle he was fighting, the war that he was in the middle of, he was going to win and succeed at. He just had to hold tight. He had to hold his ground and keep fighting for success in the mission that he had, only to discover 30 years later that the war had been concluded and done 30 years past. Can you imagine how you would feel? To think that you gave three decades 10,000 evenings, if you would, in this jungle, eating off the land and eating bugs and, and doing things that are just unthinkable, all in hopes that you would succeed only to find out that you had lost and you had fought a battle and given the bigger part of your life as a young 23-year-old person until your mid-50s that the bulk of your life was not really for much of anything. How would you feel? Can you imagine that moment right there? And it's interesting that Onada comes out of this and he's trying to reclaim his life and redeem his life and he decides later on in life he sees some despair in his land in Japan and struggling teenagers and one of them that had this horrible thing that they had, they, had, they, had, they had murdered their parents and he thought, I need to help these kids. And he opened up the Onada Nature Center for struggling teenagers. And he said, I felt like I've lost the first big chunk of my life succeeding at something that didn't matter on a mission that didn't matter anymore. I'm going to give my life something that matters. And it's incredible to stop and consider just for a moment that we can sometimes not realize it in the smaller things of life. His story is like this microcosm that tells a bigger picture of our stories, our collective stories, if you would, as all of us today here in Kensington and online, right, throughout our campuses and our community, as really the human race here, there's this story being told that we're going to jump into in the book of Ecclesiastes about this guy named Solomon that talks about success and that we can find success at things sometimes that don't matter. In fact, Francis Chan has this quote that he shares, and I've got a picture I want to put up on there for you. It says that our greatest fear should not be of failure. Sometimes we assume that's the biggest thing we should worry about, falling flat on our face. Nope. But of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Actually succeeding at stuff that doesn't even really matter at all. There's a couple different definitions of success when we're thinking about what is success? Am I succeeding at something that doesn't matter? Success is, according right to the dictionary, someone or something that is successful, a person or thing that succeeds, but it doesn't really give us the clarity about what that means. Or favorable or desired outcome, achieving wealth, respect, or fame. Well, maybe that's success, and it seems like much of our lives and our, and our culture is given to just that. If I accumulate a ton of wealth, if I have great notoriety, right, if, if I can achieve those things, that's great. Do you know that many people that are polled, that some of our youth, if you go back almost 20, 30 years and they're polled, what is the greatest thing you'd like to do with your life? It was things like become an astronaut, uh, be the CEO of a company, the principal of a school, to be a firefighter, whatever, these kind of things that would be admirable and worth giving your life to. And today, a lot of the greatest things that we'd love to achieve when they're polled say, I would love to be an influencer. And you're like, an influencer of what? Just influence. I want to be the influencers of influence. You're like, what are you influencing people to do? Influences leadership. So where are you leading them 
just leading them down the path of influence. You're like, wait a minute, help me understand, right? And I'm not saying that's bad. There's a, there's a bunch of amazing influences out there, but to what point? And so we're searching for this idea of success, and, and sometimes we can call this idea climbing the ladder, right? We try to climb the ladders of success. We've been doing this since we've been young and little. We climb these different ladders that get put out uh, of success when we're young. Like I've got my, my, my kid, uh, thank you so much, and he climbs this ladder of being in the, the football game, right? And he, he climbs this ladder right here, and he's like, I've succeeded, I won. And sometimes we go on these other ladders, oh my gosh. <laughs> Didn't realize that ladder was coming in. But sometimes you come the ladder of getting out of school and getting into college, right? And, you know, we're, we're, we're climbing these ladders of what we consider success. And it seems like we're on the ladder. We're like, well, we've got this home. We've got this job. <laughs> you guys act like I'm someone that's fallen off the stage before or something, man. And, and, and we look at the ladder over here. And we look at their ladder next door. Well, I like their ladder. I like what they've done with their ladder. I'm not sure I like my ladder anymore, and I'm not sure I like this ladder at all. But, and we go over here, and we begin to climb this ladder, and we think this rung, and at this rung, and I got that promotion. I go for the next one, and then the next one, and we keep achieving. And some people, it could be for landscaping, and you from one box wood to the next, or from one remodeling project to the next, or from one group you're into the next, and to the next, and to the next, and you just keep going, and you just keep going, and you just keep going on this ladder, and eventually you're running out of rungs, and one rung seems to not do it like the next rung. And you're literally just kind of like grasping at straws saying, I might be out of the camera view. If you're online, I'm here. Those are my feet. I'm, I'm coming back down the ladder of success. And I'm, I'm sitting there, and I look. Thank you guys so much. Can leave these out. Give these guys a hand for letting me not fall. I don't think I was going to fall, but there's these ladders that we're on. And we're, we're climbing them and we're trying to figure out what is success in my life and the ladders that I'm climbing of perfectionism maybe. I'm trying to, you know, posture myself to look this way of comparativism. And, I, and I'm comparing even subconsciously to all my neighbors and everybody else around me. And maybe I've got this thing inside where I never feel fully satisfied so I'm achieving one more thing. I'm doing one more thing. Just one more accomplishment, one more status, one more credential next to my name, whatever it is. These in of themselves are not bad things at all. Hear me, please, today as a community as we talk. These are amazing. I feel like we get the privilege to be part of a community here and across our campuses of some of the most brilliant, beautiful, amazing people ever. You have given your lives to great works, and they're unbelievable. But sometimes we can find ourselves yet not feeling fully satisfied, almost empty, and we have to ask ourselves the question, am I not even afraid of failure, I'll just go for it, but am I actually succeeding in my life at things and ladders that don't matter? Is that what I've done with my life? Is that what I'm doing with my life? And sometimes we don't slow down enough. My wife was reminding me this morning and the past couple of weeks we've been busy and she goes, we have to slow down and she's so wise because we have to take in perspective to say, Am I moving my life in the right direction? Is it, is it moving in a worthy direction? Am I going in, a, in an effective rhythm and way that is making sense, most importantly, that Jesus might be inviting me to? And it's amazing when we think about success. There's a guy in the Old Testament. He is the son of David. His name is Solomon. And he had wild success. I mean, it was unbelievable. The amount of success that this guy had was 
through the roof. In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 10, it says that he was getting ready to be appointed king, right? This is a huge moment. Like he's getting ready to take the helm of the ship, like a new CEO, or he's going to be the new principal, like this great position of leadership. And he says, what do you want? And he prays to God. He says, think about all the things you could have asked for, a big military, uh, you know, uh, like a ton of money, uh, a ton of power. And he says, I really just want wisdom and understanding so I can help lead the people. And God says, because you asked that, I'm going to give you everything and everything he got. He had over a thousand statements and sayings in scripture in the Bible are from this guy named Solomon. And it goes on and on that he was the first one to build the temple in Jerusalem. Like he had so much gold that historians say that they were running out of trees to build storehouses just to store the gold. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if you're sitting with someone, they're like, there's not even enough banks in this community to hold my money. Like after you shove them over, you would say, listen, <laughs> listen, <laughs> quit bragging. You know what I mean? Like in that moment, it's like, but he had all this. And so Solomon has all this. And it's interesting in this book of Ecclesiastes that he writes something pretty phenomenal. And it's amazing to understand, but before we get to that spot, I, I, I want to take up that Jesus, and we're going to tie Jesus in the middle of all this. It's probably a good thing, right? In, in Matthew, his name is mentioned. It says this. I Don't worry. You guys don't have this on the screen, but you will have this one verse, and I'll get to it. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. It says, don't worry about all these ladders. Jesus is saying, don't worry about all the ladders that maybe don't matter, right? He said, I want to tell you something. It says, what you will eat or drink or what your body, what you will wear, it is, is not life more than food. That's questionable at moments, depending on how hungry you are, right? <laughs> and the body more than clothes. And look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not much more valuable than they are? Stop and consider the depth of these words that Jesus is sharing. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Don't you get so aggravated at Jesus' brilliance? You're like, no, but I'm going to worry anyhow, you know? Like, we just feel that. It says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field, they do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, Solomon, this wisest person ever that we're going to listen to the wisdom he shares is but a footnote in the wisdom Jesus shares if that gives any perspective about who Jesus is. Isn't that kind of incredible to think about? And, and Jesus is not dogging Solomon. He's referencing, he's right-sizing the wisest human being to ever live if you'd let yourself go there compared to the wisdom that really encompasses itself in the wisdom of Jesus. It says, is that how God clothes the grass of the field? He says, Solomon, all his splendor was dressed like one of these. This is crazy. Think about it. Is that how God comes to or, or clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire? Will he not much more clothe you? And it gets to this beautiful part in Scripture, and Jesus is inviting us, and we're going to have Solomon guide us to maybe some ladders that don't matter so we can actually compare them to what Jesus is inviting us to. And Jesus says, but seek first. You're worried about all this. Don't worry, but seek first. Don't seek these first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, that's pretty crazy. Jesus said, I know you're worried about the ladder of success, the ladder of status in your neighborhood, your community, the, the status of your children, the status of all these things. You're climbing, you're going after it, you're moving after it. Nobody online can see, but we got a yellow balloon moving through this thing here. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? 
Oh, man, it's, so, it's always something funny in here. It's either me falling off the stage or balloons. I feel like the enemy is trying to distract us today, but that's okay. So we're going we're gonna to keep moving on here, and it's amazing. So Solomon's got all this stuff. He is successful. I mean, so much gold that he doesn't even know where to put it, right? And it gets to the spot and says this, the words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, Solomon, Oh, now somebody can grab that. I know you're thinking, go ahead, you can get it. Hey, give a big hand here and online to somebody who got the balloon. Thank you. (laughs) I love that. People online, you got to come in person to see what really happens here, right? Now, we love you so much. So, uh, but he says this. I feel like we're on this emotional thing. We're like celebrating the world, like meaningless, meaningless, (laughs) says the teacher, utterly meaningless. And it's like Solomon, simmer down. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? He's saying under this idea of heaven, in the heavenly realms, what God might have for us. But here on earth, at the end of the day, the ladders, they don't matter. They're good to do if it's part of your purpose, you're fulfilling it, that's great. But it can cause us to miss the bigger picture. And I just want Solomon to lead us for a minute. If he could come here and speak, the wisest king ever, and we're going to grab his words, they're timeless, and they're true, and they're supernatural, to kind of guide us around ladders that don't matter for a moment today. Is that okay? And we'll do that. And we're going to compare that with Jesus inviting us into maybe not just ladders, but an adventure and a path that really does matter. And he's going to do this, and we're going to compare and contrast every single ladder that we get to. And the first ladder that we go to today is this idea of the ladder of money, this ladder of money, this idea that Solomon talks about money. And it's interesting when we think about money, right? There's an author that wrote a book and said, really, in in our culture, what we honestly do all the time is we put all the ladders around money and we say, here's the emphasis. We're going to go after financial. And then after financial, we're going to go after intellectual. That's a big deal right now with like AI and technology and advancement and the worry around it, right? But all of our emphasis is on intellect. And then we go to physical. Nobody hates their own body, Paul says. So we take care of Umaro Nuno, our, ourself, right? We're there and we're doing that. So it's like financial. It's, we go there to intellectual. It's physical. Then we'll get to relational. We'll kind of like, we'll try to do a date night or we'll check on our kids or we'll do whatever. We'll, we'll be relational to an extent if we got margin. And if we have any little bit of margin at all, we'll get to spiritual. And I think there's something really profound if we get to literally flip that paradigm over and we'd start with spiritual, which is what we're going to talk about in just a second again. Seeking first, we're going to seek first his kingdom and his rights. If we did spiritual and then relational, because God says love God, then love what? Others, each other, right? Isn't that crazy? And we're like, God didn't say like love money and love your intellect. Now it all kind of fades away if you really stop and just let the, let the depth and breadth of that consider. Money is a tool. Intellect is a tool. The spiritual and relational things that are really what matters. And it's interesting, we go in here, and I, just, I was reading an article this morning that Tom Brady, there, there's chatter and talk that he may turn down a $375 million 10-year contract to be a broadcaster on sports news. I'm not Tom Brady, couldn't even compare it. I have no idea what that decision would be like. But for crying out loud, if somebody's like, I'm going to give you $375 million to yap and talk about things. I'm like, okay, sign here. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, that might be my first gut instinct. Don't act like you would be like, whatever, I would give it all the poor. Sure you would as you pull up your Lamborghini, you know, and like around to the food bank and do that. Like, I mean, there's a part of our human greed, right? Given if it's being honest, there's a part of our human greed that we think this, 
And I, I would wonder that if maybe Tom Brady is feeling or he's thinking, I have no idea, I'm not even trying to like pretend to speak for a minute or be an expert in that field. I can't imagine, again, the decision like that is. But it's interesting, Ecclesiastes says this. Solomon says, let me tell you about the ladder of money. Whoever loves money never has enough. Not who has money never has enough. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. He says frustrating is another word about it. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. That's why people always have a paparazzi with them. They get more money, they have more, like their tribe. Their tribe was never even there with them before, but now they are, and they're at the fanciest restaurants and all over the place, and this, happen, this happens. I, I know this, as your tribe increases, it costs you more money, because my kids do. Like, my grocery bill continues to go up and up and up and up, right? It says more consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet. Isn't that true, the rest, to actually have rest? That sounds so good on a rainy day, just to lay your head back on the pillow. What are you doing here right now? You know what I mean? I'm just trying to learn from you, Jeremiah, so get to it, right? Whether they eat little much or not, for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. Isn't this true? Have you ever known anyone, they've accumulated so much wealth and so much power and so much status and they're worried about it, and they're managing it, and they don't sleep well. They're up nonstop. They're going. They're worried. They're concerned. I have seen a gracious evil under the sun. He says, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. Solomon's great wisdom, the simplicity but profound reality of what he shares. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. My dad teaches me this often, all the time, and he does it in his hillbilly adages. And he says, you ain't ever seen a hearse tied to a U-Haul tied to a hearse. I'm like, Dad, that's kind of crude, but you're right. It's like you can't take anything. Solomon says, naked you come into this world, naked you leave. From dust we are created, dust we return. There's nothing that we're actually holding on to at all. It's one of the most amazing things. I'm 44 years old, and even now when I go to the Coney and I'll bring all my kids and I'll meet my dad, and my dad's Coney bill is probably normally like 22, not even that, probably two bucks. You know, he has a coffee and toast. He leaves and it's like $122 with my, my, my clan, you know, and I'm like, I got it, secretly knowing my dad's got it, you know. He's probably like, should I keep inviting them out to eat, you know? And every time I leave, he'll go, do you have any cash on you? And I don't. We're like the cashless generation, right? And he goes, you need some cash. I don't know what's wrong. What's wrong with your head, son? You need cash, you know? And he'll hand me, he'll look in his wallet, literally pull up the rest of his money and hand it to me. And I'm like, Dad, you don't need to do that. And he always does that. And you know why? He goes, I can't take it with me. What good is it going to do when I'm gone? And I never want to think about that. We get emotional. I'm like, Dad, quit doing this. We're in a coney. We're eyes welling up and stuff. You know, like these moments. But there's so much wisdom in that. And Solomon, this is the wisdom of Solomon. He's saying this. And think about this idea of seek first. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. In all these things, all the ladders that we think that matter, the real ones that God wants to put in our life, he'll give those to us well, as well. He's going to give those to us, no doubt about it. But he's like, seek first the kingdom. Don't seek the financial, seek the spiritual. I want you to seek that first. And I, I stop and think about the amazing things. We were at an all-staff meeting at Kensington, and we were talking about, just to kind of illustrate this and show this, and it was beautiful. There's a no child right here. These are amazing kids that have been 
They've been orphaned. They've been left. They've been all over the place. And so we have, uh, we have churches and schools that are part of our global partners, kind of what Lindsay was talking about earlier, part of our global partnership uh, that were there. And I'll get to that one in just one minute. I'll bring that one up. But this one before, right here, these are high school kids graduating. They're so pumped because as their mission trips go, we go to see them. And the cost of the mission trip to raise thousands of dollars in money and gas and energy and all this stuff, but it's all given to this spot right here where we have an opportunity to invest in something that matters. That we actually have an opportunity to invest not just our wealth and our money, but into something that really, 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 really matters. And I stop and I think about this, like the next picture was actually somebody that I'm inspired by a lot. This My wife is in the very back. She's 20 years old, spent too much in uh, Honduras, and she's in the back, and she's with this family, and they were there for, for two months, and they're there in Honduras, and she's there, and it really changed her life. It's why we keep having more kids. So I... I, I, I I struggle to thank God for the Honduras trip <laughs> in moments, but it's been an amazing thing that's revolutionized our life. It's Foster Care Awareness Month, and it's been a hard journey and a difficult one, but I think about all the things we can invest our money and our time and our energy with. We're currently in the process of remodeling our home so we can add another room in our house, uh, and we've had some beautiful people that have come along and helped us with that, and I, I, we have like the Amish house. We're going to have like a 1,700-square-foot, six-bedroom, three-and-a-half bathroom <laughs> Home. Somebody's going to be like, was there an army living here? <laughs> what is going on, you know? And making a room and making space and place, not just in our heart, but in our lives in a real specific way. And could we be doing other things? I mean, I, I, like, I, I'm, like, I'm pastoring Maria's a nurse for a foster care home. I, like, I feel like we're out of a Hallmark movie sometimes. And, and could we be aiming our life in a different? Yeah, sure, probably. But the more I realize about it, I think, seek first the kingdom of God. And Jesus uses these words in chapter 6 of Matthew. He says, don't lay up treasures on earth. He says, lay up treasures in heaven. Don't do it on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal and everything falls apart. He says, that's where your treasure will go. But lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't eat it away. Thieves can't break in and steal and it'll last forever. And I would just say the ladders that matter, what Solomon is getting at, what Jesus is inviting us to, is the latter in the reality of not money, but treasure. Not treasure here, but treasure there. The next one he talks about is this ladder of accomplishment. Now, this is a big deal. I was at a game yesterday for my, my son, my nine-year-old. In the middle of the game, he threw a touchdown pass, and he looks over, and he looks at us. He, like, does one of these kind of, like, looks at us kind of in that moment. Like, do we see him? Like, yes, we see. We're not here to watch the other kids. We see you. Quit bragging, you know? And it's like, and then like we all want to accomplish. And, you know, there's people that are always, they talk about things, and it's like a humble brag. They're like, oh, man, that's great. It's like, yeah, it only, you know, it only took 184 hours to do this painstaking toil. We're like, we get it, buddy. <laughs> Just keep, keep it yourself, right? Like, but, but they want to be known for their accomplishments. Honestly, I've done a lot of funerals, and what happens often is I have to read a list of accomplishments, and I talk about what they did with their life. And there's all these accomplishments you could do, the things you can build, the things you can accumulate, the things you can do for the ladder of money. You get all the money and then you move it around and you start accomplishing things over and over and over with it. And you're looking for it to satisfy you deep inside, but it's not. And, it, and it's interesting because people always, the two questions you're consistently asked when you meet somebody is, what's your name? And you tell them, it's kind of your identity, and what do you do? What's your purpose? What's your value? What have you accomplished with your life, what are your credentials? Where do you go to school? Where do you live, right? Like, what is your actual value in this world? What have you accomplished? 
And Solomon understood this, and he watched across the land as people would climb these ladders, trying to accomplish more and more, one rung after another, only realizing to get to the very top of the ladder that there was no deep, soul-satisfying moment that would stick. It would be there, and it would be fleeting and go away. And Solomon brings this to our attention. He says this, as far as the ladder of accomplishment goes. He says, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. Can you imagine if you took someone to one of your houses, to one of your vineyards? <laughs> Major projects going on. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female uh, slaves and other slaves were born in my house. Says all these things that he had. He says they also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. He compares it chasing after the wind. Like a child running outside, chasing after, feeling the wind, trying to grasp what they can't get a hold of, trying to understand something that, that, that doesn't make sense to them. Nothing was gained under the sun. This is why we often read these moments, somebody wins the Super Bowl and it's not enough. And they win it again and it's not enough. And they transfer to another franchise and it wasn't enough. And then they get to the point where they're going and they're not winning and they're really beginning to scramble and they're looking for accomplishment. And one accomplishment after another and it never seems to be enough and never seems to make sense. And Jesus throws this at us again. And he's sitting there and he's put Solomon and his wisdom that he gave him as a footnote in Matthew 6. And he says, but seek first. He's, he's almost calling us off the ladder saying, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all the things that your heart desires, the things that you're really longing for, the things that are keeping you up at night, the things that you really want to accomplish in your life, the dreams and whispers that I'm putting inside your heart and mind because I created you and formed you, wherever you're at in your faith walk, I would just say with me today, if we could just envision for a moment, wherever you're at in your faith, imagine there's a God that really unconditionally loves you like this perfect parent, and he's trying to just say, I love you and I want to walk with you and I want to help you breathe new life into the dreams that really matter that you desire in your life. Please come down off the ladder. Please come down off the ladder for a moment that don't matter. And follow me and go this way. It's amazing, as I was in this all staff on Thursday, we were talking about nochild.org. You can, you can go to it. This is an opportunity it, 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 like for Kensington of all the different global partners we've had. This is one when we find different children in these different regions and Peg Oban and others were a big part of this. Uh, these children were orphans and they had no homes and so we, we, did, we started this program called No Child. I think in the past year almost $700,000 had been raised for this. Isn't that incredible to stop and consider and think about because the generosity across all of our campuses and this movement. And there was one gentleman named Carl Nilsson, and he had met this young man. He had met a young man named David, and David had a brother named Brandon. And these two young men, their parents were murdered, and they were left. They were orphans. And so they became part of this No Child program, and, and Carl had met him and, and authored and wrote a book about his story. So, so David had a chance to share his story with many others of how Jesus had rescued him and, and how, how it transformed and changed his life. And there's a picture I want to put up here. This is, this is David in the middle, and that's Carl over there on the left. They're part of the No Child program, part of Kensington, and that book is about his story and his life. 
And I think about all the things Carl is this brilliant individual on the left. Carl has had great accomplishments, could have done anything with his life and did so much and had realized that he wanted to not just do more for himself. It wasn't what he did for him, but what he could do for others. And as we begin to think about our accomplishments, it's not what can I accomplish for myself? What could I accomplish for you? What can I help you do? How can I help you succeed? You know what? My friend and I were talking a lot about this. The real essence, I think, I'm hoping, I'm discovering of success is not how can I become more successful? How can I help you become successful? And Jesus brings us into this story, this narrative, where Jesus says the least become actually more. The last actually becomes first. The one that actually gives, he says it's better to give than to receive. When it's, the Lord Jesus is quoted in Acts chapter 20, and it's, set, it's this paradigm, this flip about the ladders that don't really matter. It's amazing to stop and just consider this in our life, and it says, when we really survey our life, are we accomplishing things that really matter for us, or are we accomplishing things that matter maybe for others? Is the greatest accomplishment we have the greatness that was brought to ourselves? Solomon says, no way. It's like chasing the wind. The greatest accomplishment we can have is when we look to someone else the way Carl did to David and say, look at his life. Look at her life. Look what they're doing now. David, by the way, graduated with a master's degree and is a journalist. Isn't that incredible? Stop and consider that. And if you're interested in wanting to know more about that, just literally go to nochild.org and you can hear more about the story and figure out ways to support uh, the journeys of these amazing kids. I think this final one, this ladder of pleasure and fame, Solomon says this, says, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good, but that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. He says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired I refused my heart no pleasure my heart took delight in all my labor and all this reward was for my toil in verse 11 that we had read earlier and he said it was all like meaningless like chasing after the wind like nothing think about this he's sitting there and he's like I'm chasing this and I'm chasing that I'm chasing after all these things and none of them really matter He's like, I'm I'm chasing ladders that just don't even matter, and I'm trying to find pleasure for it and fame for it. He had great notoriety. He said he was pretty much, he just wrote here, I went to the local pub, and we drank, and it was great, but I woke up feeling the same was meaningless. It was almost like that song, because I've got friends in low places where the whiskey, you guys know the song? You know the song. You're in church, but you don't want to sing it, right? And there's a song and there's this thing that's being sung there and it's really the tune of his life and he says it really didn't matter and it really didn't satisfy. And it's interesting because even in that lyric in that song says, but I'll be okay. But will you? Like how many in here are just feeling like, man, I want more purpose in my life. And Jesus counters again and he says, but seek first. You you, you can almost hear Jesus speaking with these people this moment and this time now. He's saying, I just want you to seek first now my kingdom and my righteousness. And I'm telling you, when you do, all the things you long for, they're going to be added to you. And they're not going to be ladders that don't matter. They're going to be moments like Carl had with David. They're going to be moments like my wife had in Honduras. They're going to be moments like we're having now, even going through toil and strife. We're going to say, this matters. It's worth giving our life to that a little girl has a room she can call home, no matter how difficult it is, right? 
We begin to give our life for what matters, and it radically transforms us. And Jesus is inviting us to something greater. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.